this is Shifron Stop, a fun podcast about games and cultural stuff and comedy and interviews. Hello, it's Shifron Stop, and we've got uh, we've got Minkette with us today. Minkette, that's her internet name. It's not her real name. Um, her real name is a secret, but uh, you know there are ways of finding out if you're so inclined. I do actually have some friends who don't know my real name. Wow. So it's not just internet name. It's wow. because I made a lot of friends through um, Coney and there was one, one person actually, someone said, what is your real name? Can you tell me? And he put his fingers in his ears and said, I don't want to know. I don't want to know her real name. I know her name's Minket. Wow. That was it. I, like, yeah. Anyway, welcome to Chiffron <laughs> Sot. It's very nice to have you here. Hello. That's a nice voice. That's lovely, yeah. You could just use that, cut all the other stuff. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Minket is a... Games designer and has been involved with loads of interesting stuff. Is that fair? Are you a games designer or are you a games creator? Yeah, when people say, what is a games designer? I kind of feel, always feel slightly like a fraud because I didn't go to university and study game design and stuff. But I would say that I'm a designer that makes games, which sounds like it's just being pernickety and semantic. But to, yeah, to, to not tick the annoying people with inaccuracies box. I'm a designer that makes games, so... And did you? What did you study at university? I studied product design. Ah, right. So you are a designer. Yeah, the designing of stuff. And then I kind of ended up. I think I'm not sure if it's a, it's a cause or an effect. But in order to be able to um, play on the computers at college, um, play 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 games. Whenever like my teachers came in and said, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm researching." So I ended up doing all my projects on games because I was. <laughs> sneakily just playing games all the time at uni so I think it's possibly that kind of yeah cause and effect of why I ended up just designing games at university anyway I ended up with just doing nothing related to my life um, after university which was quite depressing Um, and I was reading a copy of Time Out and actually my boyfriend was he found it and it said do you want to go on an adventure this summer emailed this address and it was rabbit at irabbit.org and um, so I was like, yeah, okay. I emailed it. Um, and um, I got this message back, which I kind of assumed I'd get sort of like an automatic response back, um, saying, um, hello, let's go on an adventure. Do you want to do this? Rah, rah, rah. Tell us a bit about yourself. Um, but also then it said, P.S., is your name really Minket the Pirate? Which was my email address. And there's no way a computer program could have <laughs> gone, could have passed like, that, those are three separate words and so there, mu- there must have been a human being at the end of that and I just just fell in love with the idea that there was a real person pretending to be a character and the adventure was amazing it was made by Coney and um, it was in the National Theatre you had to go around and uh, find all these secret things and oh and at the same time as doing that I was um, volunteering again we just wanted to find out when the next Punch Drunk show was on because my boyfriends and I were big fans of them. We'd been to like three or four of their shows before. Um, we'd just gone to their website, and on the website it said, "Do you want to come and help volunteer being uh, set design set builders?" And we thought, "Yeah, okay, let's do that in our spare time." And so these two things—it was like a perfect storm of things that I actually cared about and were interested in. Um, so there was building the set at Punch Drunk, which was just an amazing experience, and um, then emailing Rabbit, who. Uh, tried to find out because I said um, I wouldn't tell him my real identity (laughs) and he was trying to find out what my real name was 
I started writing little puzzles into my responses to Rabbit and they, mm. that kind of impressed them and um, they said, do you want to meet up after? They do, they do it quite a lot. If, if people who play the games they will, and they're interesting, then, then Coney will start a dialogue with them um, and kind of include them in future projects. It's a really lovely way of doing it. And so I start, started working with Coney on some things um, and through through the guys at Punch Drunk I met Alex Fleetwood and we went to the pub and he said I've got this great idea I went to this thing called Come Out and Play in New York and I want to do it here in London I'm thinking of calling it Hide and Seek do you want to be in? I was like yeah okay I was like the first person on board <laughs> volunteering put my hand up for everything um, so yeah I did, did that with Hide and Seek um, and then we did the Soho Project um, where I met Dan and Adrian and the Brothers Hon the Brothers Hon as they're known and that's how I started working at Six to Start. So basically, don't do what your university tells you and go and do things you're interested in. That's how you get to do very random jobs. Play, play games, volunteer and be interesting. Be up for everything, yeah. I think is the lesson. Yeah, it's That's good. really cool. And at, at Six to Start, um, people who don't know, they, they make um, what we call ARGs. We interviewed Dan Hon, didn't we? Well, you did. Uh, I don't know, an early episode, we won't guess the number. We always do that. Um, <laughs> six to Start make <laughs> ARGs, which is uh, like augmented... Rea- no, uh, no, that's oh, wrong. Oh, Alt- Alt- Alternate, sorry. Get I, out. I know, I know, but... <laughs> Can you explain what an ARG is and which ones you've been involved with? Alternate reality game means, in fact, you're probably closer. Well, I, I always get a bit annoyed. I'd rather they were called augmented reality games because alternate reality game means nothing. Right. Although, you know, augmented reality has been nicked by people that stick graphics <laughs> over video. Um, augmenting the world around you, just changing it slightly and making it into a game, making it into something playful, more so than how it ordinarily is, is closer to what an alternate reality game is. So instead of um, having your, your game bubble where you you sit down in front of a computer console, you, you sit down in front of the board game and you say, right, I'm doing this now, this is my time, this is my space to play, um, alternate reality games come into your world, your everyday life, where you are going to be anyway and give you things to play with you things to play with and play with you Um, so instead of using a controller to control a character on the screen the character emails you or rings you up and says hi I've got this problem I can't seem to get through this door can you help me things you can do that you can solve but in a playful way and yeah makes you think about the world differently and which ones have you been involved with? Before I worked at Six to Start, I um, worked with Coney and um, we made a game called Crack the Code for the, for the Science Museum, the Dana Centre, which was the first one that I properly worked on, which was really good fun. It was all about cryptography. I did the Jasper Ford fiasco game, which was for a... The Jasper Ford writes this, the Thursday Next books, where she's a character that goes into story worlds and solves crimes that happen in books um so it's a really really good match for alternate reality games because it it is all about kind of layering reality and fiction um and so we had some characters escape from the jasper ford book and um i mean and and the fans of that book are just going to get it straight away they're not going to have to go oh wait but he's not real and now you're you're trying to steal all of the verbs out of dickens and that's going (laughs) to completely undermine all of literature it's they just you know they just get it straight away um and that was really good fun we went we went to swindon where the uh, books are set it's really glamorous um and uh at one point um 
uh, I don't know what name I should use, but the, the leader of Coney um, made every phone box in Swindon ring at once. Wow. It's cool. So he rang all these phone boxes, and uh, if they were in the right place at the right time, like the people knew it was going to happen, they could pick up, and then a character from the story world would ask them a question. Mm. And then um, we had the real Jasper Ford and his his wife, who the character's based on, she was there being Thursday next. So we had the real Thursday next oh, wow. um, in a pub in Swindon. Um, I was pretending to be a librarian caught in a time loop in a mobile library van in a car park outside the train museum. That was just so, yeah, so surreal. <laughs> and then at six to start, we made, um, but we made Smokescreen Game was the last thing I worked on, which was for Channel 4 Education. And it was this, it was doing something a bit different with alternate reality games in that it was uh, episodic. And so you could play, it, it played out, more like a teen drama we were trying to be a bit like kind of the formula of skins so um there was lots of of terrible things that happened to people and uh you played the game to sort them out um and each of the 13 episodes had its own game within it um as well as being an overarching story and its own bit of story and each thing was relating to issues around um, online identity and privacy and security and things, but kind of from the point of view, in, in not we tried to not be didactic at all. Mm-hmm. So that it was from the point of view of how of how you might, might see it as a teenager. So instead of um, my favourite one was that instead of saying, "Hey, you shouldn't put everything about yourself on Facebook because that's stupid," we made it so that the player was helping this guy. Um, try and chat up this girl in a club but um, by cyber stalking her she's like oh no quick find out her favourite drink I'm going to buy her a favourite drink <laughs> so basically we got the player to be cyber stalkers and that was the way of kind of saying you kind of maybe should take more ownership over what you put about yourself because this girl has put everything about herself on her Facebook and Twitter and everything else and people can use it if they want to for reasons that be not what you wanted so that was smoke screen that was my favourite one it is snack time and by the time you listen to this it's probably the winter time which presents an additional challenge for those of you uh, hoping to get drunk perhaps at a perhaps at a christmas party or other holiday that you might celebrate mm-hmm. so wolves magnum uh, pioneeringly have bought out a range of ice creams Christmas. Um, it's their. It's it's part of their their mini Magnum box. They're flavoured with two liqueurs: Irish cream and limoncello. Mm. So presumably this is Irish cream because they couldn't uh, get the Bailey's mm. license. Mm-hmm. So the limoncello one is white chocolate, which mm. is always good. And see see if you can identify exactly what it tastes like. Mm. This is yeah. new to me. This is the first time I've tried them. Oh, well, all right. Well, we'll come back to that. Rue, how, how's your Irish cream? <laughs> tastes like Bailey's. It's really? a winner. Yeah. Mm. Should have got that one. Does that one taste of flash? No, it tastes of lemon curd. It tastes of lemon curd. And, our, well, I thought Mr Kipling um, fond of fancy. Ah, yeah. It's got lemony sort of um, juice inside. I don't know if it's limoncello, really. They could have said it was magnum lemon curd and I would have believed them. <laughs> mm. But, you know, I don't know, maybe that's not, something, maybe that's not Christmassy enough. It tastes a little bit of, uh, of quite a sweet uh, lemon meringue pie. But I think, I think fond of fancy. And, of course, this raises the exciting possibility... One day, Mr. Kipling will do a Bailey's fondant fancy, and all, mm. all, all our needs will be satisfied. 
I was trying to work out if this actually has alcohol inside. Like um, mm. some of my local supermarkets started have with Christmas coming up, saying say they won't sell liqueur chocolates to under eighteen. Um, you have to eat an awful lot of liqueur chocolates, I think, to really start. Oh, I don't know. Some what? of them can have a good, a good, a good uh, teaspoon of, of booze in them. With a swirl of limoncello sauce, goes in. It has limoncello liqueur, 0.4%. Mm. And less than 1%, less than half a percent. Um, Irish cream liqueur, uh, um, another similar, uh, 0.4%. Mm. In other alcoholic enjoyments. Uh, oh, I <laughs> like it when he brings booze <laughs> later, don't you? What a year it's been for ginger beer. Um, the uh, TV has been dominated by adverts for Krabby's alcoholic ginger beer. Did we have some? Like, did we have some mm. sort of alcohol, alcoholic ginger beer here? Yeah, we did. Anyway, uh, Jack Daniels, of course, um, <laughs> a friend of uh, what well, like the, the punchline to a joke called Alcoholics Eponymous. Um, <laughs> I think you can get a premixed Jack Daniels with Coke. This is Jack Daniels with ginger. Wow. Let's give it a try. That sounds nice, actually. This is a six percent alcohol by volume. Is it? Yeah. Mm. Oh, that's not bad. It does taste quite alcoholic. You can tell straight away it's Jack Daniels. Nice. You can taste the Jack Daniels, mm. yeah. Oh, I can't, yeah, and I, I mean, to be honest, I can't quite detect which ginger beer it is. So, you know, mm. that's that's mm. probably... like They're probably catering to fans of the Jack Daniels there. <laughs> the experts some, on yeah. their ginger beer. Where did you buy this from? Was it was it an off-licence? No, was that was from a supermarket. I think it's about two mm. quid a can, so... Wow. I don't know how competitive that is with uh, with, your, with your, your normal Alco pop mm. uh, intake. Oh, it's bringing back memories of Jack Daniels. That's what it's doing it's for me. It's, it's yeah. got like I mean, like it's hard to pin down what, what quite what the taste of Jack Daniels is. It's got a kind of like it almost tastes of twigs <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and and kind of like you know they're always making out that it's made in oak caskets, like um, mm. salvaged from the from the timbers of the Mary Rose or something. Uh, like I'm paraphrasing, it's obviously what they um yes. So a bit like licorice. <laughs> That's the thing. <laughs> well, I'm expanding. Yeah, I made a couple of plays, which um, one one was set on the tube um, and was on the tube as well, um, and another one which was um, the second one was in the bar, which uh, Annette Mace and um, Dave Varela, Charlie Fish, and David Black worked on with me. But it's yeah, the the tube thing. It was called Train of Thought. This was again something I just did in my spare time when I was. Um, this was that, that one year where I did loads of different things, like work for Punch Junk and do Coney and stuff. And uh, I put on this play as well. I was sat on the tube one day, as you do, and it was just kind of really noticing how everyone, all this humanity, is crammed into this one tiny space together. And you're all desperately trying to ignore each other and pretend that no one else is there. Um, and if you're not doing that, then you're kind of looking around, like sneakily looking around and saying, thinking, what's that person thinking? What's, what's going on in their head? Um, and so I had this idea of um, recording inner monologues of the people that are on the train with you um, and uh, transmitting them on a on a iTrip mini radio transmitter, local radio transmitter, um, and giving an audience. I had an audience of about, and, and I, I thought about it, and then I did it. Um, the an audience of twelve people who I met at the top of King's Cross Station um, gave them all a radio with set to the right frequency, and went down, and we caught the circle line, and. Um, just yeah so i transmitted the the thoughts of of specific characters and i again like uh i not i'm not so like i'm not i'm not a writer myself i'm not 
that talented myself so I sneakily thought well I know lots of people who could do this for me that's generally how I get anything done it's like I can't do it myself but I I do know someone that can Mm -hmm. um and so I got a bunch of writers and little theatre groups and things that that I was friends with and said hey there's no money in this I'm just doing it for fun but do you want to come um come make up a a three-minute monologue um and perform it on the train for a week um, illegally, um, got no permission. I kind of tried to get permission. I sort of went and said, um, if I were to transmit a small radio FM frequency on a train, would it make the train crash? And <laughs> yeah, I was like, what did you think? And they said, no, um, FM. We don't use FM. We use a different frequency. And I was like, okay, thank you, bye. <laughs> and that was how I got permission. Um, uh, so yes so I led people down and then all of these different uh, characters and each again like similar to how everyone on the train just all completely different people all these different walks of life all these you've no idea who's on there with you Mm. and each of these monologues I didn't really edit them that much either I just got I just said just make up something about being on the tube it can be anything at all and so it was a sort of um smorgasbord of uh, unusual, completely unrelated three-minute monologues separated by um, the stop announcements. Um, mm. So they're com- yeah, completely unrelated to each other. Um, so the audience came in, sat down, and they've got the radios on, um, and the actor would come in for that piece and sit down, or they would already be on the train, so uh, they were all in the carriage behind, and so they were also listening, and so they knew when to come on and when to... S- try and get into the, the same carriage as oh, the audience. Clever. So they weren't waiting at a station, they waited in no. one carriage and came off and back on the train. Yeah, the right so, the whole, so when, um, when the audience came down and the train came, we all got onto one carriage and the entire cast got onto the one behind. Nice. But it meant that you couldn't, from, the point of, like, from that first point, you can't go, well, these 12 people have been here the whole time, they, they must be the actors. Yeah. So the actors came and went. Yeah. Um, so you never, so that constantly the, the, the audience would have to keep playing the is it this person, is it this person? And the actors didn't speak. So all, you only heard their thoughts, because no one speaks on the tube. So it was a completely silent play from, from the outside. Um, and so, but it was, there were some really lovely things where um, uh, other people, because there were normal people on the train as well, and suddenly these 12 completely unrelated people would all laugh at the same time <laughs> at nothing at all. That's brilliant. Um, and there, so the audience... Uh, the audience are watching the actor and then everyone else is on the train is watching the audience and um, it was just, yeah, it was really cool. And, and presumably the actors are all kind of doing things with their faces in time to the transmission to see yeah. what they're supposed to be thinking. Were they, they listening were, to the They were listening well. to the same thing and the reason that I had it transmitted rather than um, recorded was to be able to be more flexible with, with knowing when the train would stop and getting on and off Mm. and things brilliant you know when you hear an idea and you think I wish I'd thought of that (laughs) I was just thinking I really wish I'd experienced that I would have loved to have been part of the audience I I keep saying I should do it again Mm. just do little one just do one every week or something like a podcast (laughs) and honestly brilliant yeah I would like to do it again but I just seem to not have I'd want to do it better I'd want to do it oh and we did do it again because someone at um someone at the ICA heard about it through a friend of one of the writers um, and they said that sounded really cool we didn't get to see it but um, it sounds brilliant could you put it on in the ICA and we're like well <laughs> kind of really site specific <laughs> you know the way you behave in a theatre is not how you behave on the tube mm. and it was all about behaviour and so I was like well we'll just write a completely new thing about what it's about the 
the what it is like to be in the bar and we'll do it in the bar so um, I got and I got I had actually some money for that one um, I think a massive uh, £3,000 to spend as opposed to the £200 I spent on the first production um, which was presumably mainly radios and a transmitter yeah, yeah the radios cost about £100 the, tri- the transmitter cost a pound off eBay yeah uh-huh. eBay um, and yeah I can't remember what I spent oh yeah props and stuff tube tickets <laughs> tube t- oh yeah I paid, yeah tube tickets for all the actors um but yeah, so we got um, again. This was this was just when I first started. That was the same week as I started working at Six to Start. So I didn't have time to do it. So I got my friends to do it again. <laughs> the social dynamic of people in the bar is that everyone's chatting, everyone's talking. The actors were speaking, but what they what their thoughts inside their head were different to what they were actually would say and so it was all about kind of politenesses and facades mm. was it hard for the actors to have because presumably they're hearing mm. it in their did you get them earpieces or something that they're, yeah. yeah so they're, they're hearing got, their own thoughts <laughs> I mean, and they've got a time yeah and they've so got this. to talk over it and yeah, yeah and perform to it. it was it was really i mean it was like four-dimensional it's hard to write it yes. was hard to perform yeah um it's, it's possibly also hard to watch um, <laughs> but it, it was yeah it, I was really 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 pleased really proud of what we managed to make there this is a bit random and I was going to try and draw some sort of connection between plums and brandy and Christmas puddings and that kind of thing but to be honest I've, I've also been uh, looking back on like some of the beverages of the year and uh, this is a particular highlight from uh, from our friends in the, in the uh, Polish delicatessens I think it's I think the name of it is fizz cider but, but it's um it's yellow plum taste as, as is often the case with your, with your more upmarket fruity ciders it's got a little sort of foil um, protection on the lid there. You've got to peel well, back the lid before yeah, you can get to the, the uh... If rats have urinated on your stock while it's been kept in the warehouse, you won't get whatever the, that disease that is that rats right, spread. Oh, and that's a real reason, isn't it? I've tried this before, and uh, actually, I was, I, was, I was wondering when to put it forward as one of my drinks of the year. Well, you try it, I know exactly what it's like. See if you can taste the yellow plum. This is quite a hefty can. It's about three it times is. the size of a can of Coke. <laughs> It's, it's, a can, it's a normal cider can. It's, no, it's, it's a pint okay. sort of size, isn't it? Mm. Half a litre. Ooh, that's really weird. So, yeah, it's a... But quite mm. plummy, isn't it? Yeah, sort of um, plums and apricots. I mean, the picture appears to be of apricots, but maybe you get yellow plums. 4.7%. <laughs> so a little bit, little bit <laughs> weaker than the Jack Daniels ginger. That's, uh, it's nice. Sweet. Yeah, very fruity, yeah. Another nice can with a black background. Oh, yeah. Gold writing. Yellow plums stand out very well. Like, you know, mm. and, like, and to be honest, people have been adding all kinds of mad fruit to ciders all year. Yeah. This one has stood out for me as, um, as, as subtle. It's, it's sweet without yeah. being overpoweringly childishly sweet. Can you get it anywhere uh, apart from that one Polish supermarket in Golders Green, which I presume is um, the one you're talking about? No, well, oh. I, got, I, I got this one in Croydon, so I'll ask around, ask around for the Cider Fizz brand. <laughs> and especially the yellow plum taste. That's, uh, I think they do a strawberry as well. That's you know, oh, it's, no. just, it's just obvious. And um, <laughs> just 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 to wrap up, <laughs> like I'm, I'm, I'm clenching this, so you can't you can't see the name of it. <laughs> um, of course, the end of the year also brings my uh, informal awards ceremony for the worst named products <laughs> of the year. This is this is a non-alcoholic altern- or, uh, alternative, particularly for people who like um, products with stupid sort of science fiction style names. This this is genuinely called it's it's a cream soda fruit juice drink, but it's called Evoid Seven. <laughs> so I'll uh, I'll pop it open. 
Try it. See if, see if you can find anything to say about it. <laughs> so this is 0% alcohol. But, um, it is 0%. That's why I said it was for, <laughs> cream, for the non-drinker in the family. Cream soda. Oh, sorry. Cream it. soda fruit juice drink. Okay. Um, which in itself is quite an intriguing idea. Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's not really fizzy. It is a bit cream soda-y. Yeah, that's weird. It does seem a bit like it's already been drunk. It's like somebody's uh, maybe just spilled some yoghurt near it. Yeah. So, well, I mean, it's vaguely fruity, but without any sort of that noticeable sort of flavour. That's mixed with the fruitiness, but that's yeah, weird. very weak. I was hoping um, we'd, be, we'd be able to contra- compare and contrast with the milk serum that we, that we consume. Oh, yeah, that's a good yeah. point, yeah. And, um, and, 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 and still none of us have, are exhibiting any cow-like symptoms. <laughs> so, uh, we, oh, Lel has found some, some fruit listings. So it's, it says that it's mainly comprised of a mixture of grape juice and vanilla flavour. Yeah. That's the, that's the oh, secret. That's, the, oh, that's what's in there. Well, it's very mild, though. Oh, I, it, I don't it, think it's really... It, 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 is, it is ridiculously mild. And I, I believe <laughs> that the, uh, the Evoid Food and Drink, as is the name... <laughs> Evoid. I know. Someone thought there'd be a niche in the market for soft drinks that you could sell in schools because they're not allowed to sell... Um, uh, you know, some schools are very down on Coca-Cola and other very su- uh, sugary drinks. And they said, what if we made a range of canned drinks that were all based around fruit juices and natural products mm. and things like didn't that? didn't have any sugar or caffeine in. Or was void of ease. Oh, you see? Oh, you see? That's where I think it comes from. It's a whole range of products, like the Nexus androids in Blade Runner. And um, E-Void 1, I think, is just orange juice and, and then it builds up in complexity i did find this in a pound shop I, it's it's not clear whether the uh, the evoid range has been substantial i mean you know i don't hang around in schools i quite like the design of it i have to say i quite like the it's quite nice well, about the way it's yeah, been done the, they're all got, black like, you know, these, the whole, the whole yeah. range is like uh, mm. it's, it's shown, shown quite You've a lot of attention and to, to detail in the packaging well. Well oh, well, thank you that's uh, <laughs> i think my favorite of the three if i had to mm-hmm. had to choose is probably oh. the uh, the yellow plum really? cider i'm sticking with you on the drink yeah, that's good. Well, you see, it's good. To, it's good to good to see that we can we can take on Jack Daniels yeah. on his home turf. What do you think, Layla? Are you, I, like, are you I like the Jack Daniels one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I like whiskey. But if you were going to drink Jack Daniels, would you actually mix it with ginger, or would you just have it with the, the I vice? Have Coke? I think Coke. Yeah. I don't think there's any point in drinking Jack Daniels neat. If you feel, though, that perhaps the uh, the, the delicate flavours of Jack Daniels are being masked by by your mixer, you could always try combining it with Evoid <laughs> Seven. With one of the Evoid range, get a kid to buy it to bring some home from school, and uh, then mi- mix it up when everyone else has gone to bed. That's my tip. <laughs> I like. I think we're all becoming slightly more social since the whole Facebook thing happened, and we all tell each other everything about everything. But that, I think that it's that's something that we kind of just naturally want to do. We want to talk to people, and that's something I really value is, is, is kind of social connections. When people say, "Oh, everyone just tweets about what they've eaten for lunch," and it's like, well. You know, if I was sat next to you in the office, you would tell me what you had for lunch. You would tell me what kind of tea you're drinking. Yes. There's no different apart from they're broadcasting it to other people who they consider as close, as like the, the little mundane things are actual social glue. And so, playing like when you play a game, when you watch a TV show, when you do that thing, you do it to be able to tell a story, you know, like as well as enjoying it for its, for its own sake. The re- any reason you do anything is to be able to tell someone about it later. So, like, we all watched Mad Men last night. 
you, the water cooler moment, like, did you watch Mad Men? Do you just so you can join in that conversation? And so playing, yeah, playing games is something that we do, and it is, it's just part of our culture, the same way as it's, it's another thing we do in order to have more experience, to be able to share with people. And so um, being able to play with people at that time, it's, that's, it's, it's just a more immediate way of, of being in that story and saying that thing. It made me think when you were talking about about when we had Margaret Robertson on and she was talking about Minecraft as if it was real, like she was well, in that real. world. Right, well, it, 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 has, it, it's, it has a quality of realness. Um, these places become so real and, and involving and they involve real people behaving in the way they do in real life because that's just how you are. Yeah, it's all just stuff that you experience and things that you can, you can share and talk about, isn't it? Mm. And I guess, you know, the fact that... Um, in the same way that we're not becoming more social, it's just that social stuff is spilling over into digital online experiences. Yeah, yeah, and I guess games are part of that world as well. And you know, that's what I like about the train of thought idea is that like you are, that there's no distinction between you and the actors, and you're all kind of in that. Um, it's like you're all on stage together, or yeah. you're all in the audience together, mm. um, breaking it, down the boundary. Breaking them down. If you ever do rerun Train of Thought, will you let us know? Because I want to go I and want I want to, to tell people well. about it. Yes, okay, that's so good. <laughs> people complained that I was charging £6 for the last one. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> you shouldn't um, listen to people. <laughs> when you watch 3D films in the 50s with the blue and the, the mm. red lenses, um, it, it was rubbish. It was exciting and the notion was there. The idea of films being 3D and coming out and touching your face, it's amazing, um, didn't actually really work. And so I think that's kind of, I think that's a good analogy for how AR is at the moment. It's like the idea that you can put all of the, the, the power and um, interactivity of something that you can get on, 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 the, on the computer and have that be there in, in the real world in front of you is a really lovely idea but at the moment augmenting reality just means sticking a graphic on top of a picture of what you're looking at you have to look at it through a screen it's second hand by the time it even gets overlaid with anything Mm -hmm. and so it's um like like the the papa sangre thing and the train of thought stuff because it's not visual you can literally overlay you can hear both things at the same time Mm -hmm. and i think that it's far. It works far, far better. I think it's far closer to what yeah. should be happening. But um, so, audio augmented reality is yeah. something you can do properly today. You don't have to do it as a sort of a magic mm. screen that you're looking through an iPhone or whatever. Yeah, because it does merge with the real reality mm. because you can hear it, it from the same ear at the same time. So, what do you think about Connect then? Talk about augmented reality. This seems like something which is going to open up all sorts of extra doors yeah. and already already is by the look of it. Lots of people hacking and doing doing fun things with it. It's, uh, yeah, it could, uh, there was this really cool thing where someone had made a 3D... Did you see that 3D video where it used the, the sensor, the, the infrared sensor, to bounce back like the, the, the physical space? And then he overlaid the 2D image on it, which at first just looked a bit rubbish. But then he could move his photograph around and it, it was, he, he was like half hollow because the, the infrared could only see half of him. Yeah, there's lots of really cool stuff. But um, I've only played two Kinect games. Um, I went to Eurogamer, we played with them, and they, they were cool, but there's no feedback. Because if you are using a controller and you've told it to go left, then you know that, well, I've, I made it go left slightly too much, and I know that because uh, and next time I won't push the controller just that little bit left. But if you're just doing it with your hand, then you've, you don't know what you did wrong. 
and this there was this dancing game where um, you watch this character that you're trying to copy and you dance long and it's videoing you and it's giving you points on how well you do but I can just see him dancing perfectly um, <laughs> I'm dancing like a complete muppet um, but I can't see how I'm supposed to correct myself from that because you want, you want like a little holographic man to hold you from behind and show you where you're supposed to yeah, be if something. he started dancing like a complete muppet then I would know but then how would I know what I'm supposed to be dancing like so it's a bit I mean it's probably just the games that I played were a bit they're great to watch other people do it's, it's making people it's like karaoke it's like you, you're not going to be good at it but um, but it's so funny to watch other people which makes you think it's going to be quite a um, popular living room game over yeah. Christmas. You know, this yeah, is going to be the Wii of this year, isn't it, really? Yeah. I'd expect so, anyway. That's my guess. Because it feels like something you can play with your grandma. Yeah. I, we played we played rock band with my grandparents last Christmas. <laughs> I did that last Christmas. Best yeah. thing good, ever. Yeah. Grandma on the drums was good fun. <laughs> my, my nan had four people helping. Helping like, okay, well, we'll do the pedal for you, and uh, Katie will do the red, and someone will read out what you're supposed to do, and you'll keep time. But she still loved it. <laughs> That's brilliant. I made these like tools because you know in um, Tam Max, like you'll find a clown's nose. You'll be like, I'm going to pick that up because I can, and like it's going to become useful at some point. It does. There's going to be no point where it, it comes in as being a clown's nose, but it might be a door handle or something. Mm-hmm. You just carry around these objects, and you form like you just make assumptions about this object. It's going to be useful at some point, um, and I really liked that. That was like my favourite part of of. Uh, of, computer, of, of uh, that kind of computer game was that I know there are going to be problems that I'm going to come across but I've got these things that will help me solve it and so the idea of but in, in the real world if you've got a problem you don't necessarily know you're going to solve it so I made these kind of tools that solved highly specific problems real day really mundane problems and this, this set of tools that had you had absolutely no clue what they did so you would pick them up and if you came across an everyday problem, like the photocopy was jammed, you would go, well, I've got this thing, maybe that's what this thing does, and try and fix it. Um, and I just like the idea of it, though. You could have these objects that you just didn't know the purpose for, but you would try, and it would mean that you would rethink how you come across challenges um, or come across... Things wouldn't be problems, they would be challenges, and just changing a little bit of how you, your attitude to life. Um, my favourite one that I made was this leather... Um, straps uh, which looks like uh, oh I went out onto, out onto the street and just asked random people what do you think this does it solves it, sort of, it does something what do you think it does and there's, there's this one guy outside Sainsbury's um, said I would use it to tie up my, my Brazilian girlfriend <laughs> like yeah because it was leather and silk with metal harnesses what it actually was for was for when you're carrying your shopping home and the handles snap yes. and you get these two uh, strands you, you put your shopping into the harness you tie the broken strands through mm. the hole and um, you've got this leather, like soft leather handle that carries the weight of the bag. Um, but yeah, you're never going to guess that unless that unless that problem comes up. I would pick one song to sing at karaoke, which was "Oh So Quiet" by Bjork. Um, and um, I could do it quite well. And uh, I was telling someone about this on the train. It was um, coming back from a festival. And you had a drink. 
No, I hadn't. I hadn't. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and and he said, well, can you do some other songs? Could you do uh, blur, like Radiohead songs? And so I tried it, and I just sang songs all the way back. And apparently, people would like this woman behind us nudged her her husband, woke him up, and went, look at that. Yeah. And I was like, and he was like, you should put this on the internet. I was like, okay, I will. Um, and so now you're taking requests and, and um, fulfilling slowly. them very slowly yeah. <laughs> through Audioboo and, and on Twitter. That's your yes. that's your shtick. Yeah, <laughs> it's brilliant. Will you do one for us? Um, yes. Oh, I'm the king of the swingers. Oh, the jungles VIP. Oh, I've reached the top and I've had to stop and that's what was bothering me. I wanna be a man, man, garb and stroll right into town and be just like the other men and after monkeying rocks or scurvetter. I wanna be like you. I wanna walk like you, talk like you, true. I don't know any more the words. So good. <laughs> this is amazing. I wasn't expecting the actions as well. So I really got into character. You can do that voice really well. <laughs> Minket, it's been it's been brilliant. Thank you very much for your time and for uh, spending spending your afternoon with us in quite a noisy Royal yeah, Festival I was Hall. Say, yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, it's just got noisy. Yeah. putting up with all the social social background noise. Oh, I know. I tried to do a thing there. It didn't really work. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> crashing on. Well, thank you for having me. Goodbye. 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 Goodbye.